This is me, Zoe. I play Blair. Oh, what if? I am the best. I just defeated a skeleton guy and got a comic made out of me. You're listening to I Am Here. Hello, Ethan. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Tess. Good to, good to be with you here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, I'm so glad that we got this opportunity to chat. So we're going to just jump right in. You are the teacher and dungeon master and uh, famous Twitter <laughs> personality for the Lake Washington Girls Middle School. You do a D&D class as an elective, and you also do an after-school D&D club. I do. I do indeed. I want to hear all about that. So let's talk about it. What drove you to start these? So let, maybe I'll, I'll step back just for a moment and I'll say, sort of give you a backgrounder on, on me joining the school. So that was even joining this. So I'm, I'm based here in Seattle. I spent probably about uh, 12 years of my life living abroad and working for multinationals in advertising and marketing communications, primarily in sort of a mix of technology and design. So I've kind of a split tech and, and design background, um, which has served me well. I've I've been in a variety of, of industries, largely kind of Fortune 500 or, or multinational situations. And so switching to work for this uh, girls middle school was a real kind of right turn or left turn. I'm not sure which implies good or bad, but it was a, <laughs> it was a sharp 90 degree angle in my uh, career trajectory. And it was intentional. And I, I it was based on some experiences I'd had volunteering for my daughter's school. Uh, and I decided I, I really liked the experiences I'd had volunteering. And so I uh, looked around and there was this middle school that I'd never heard of in Seattle that was where, where I live. And uh, they were looking for a technology director. And it was it was just one of those moments where stars aligned. Um, I was actually the first the first man on staff or faculty. Um, so it's me and 140 women and girls in the building. And uh, I'm the te- officially my title is technology director. So I manage everything that has wires or screens uh, or network cables coming out of them. And I and I for the first year uh, there, I didn't do any D&D and I just sort of uh, jumped in and was kind of just cleaning up the, the technology uh, situation, which had grown very organically. And I slowly started to evolve into doing some teaching. I did some programming classes and then I started to do some photo club stuff. And I, I joke now that the curriculum that I teach at the school is the Stranger Things curriculum because it is uh, for for listeners that have watched Stranger Things, you know, it takes place in the 80s and it um, very much echoes sort of the, the 80s um, middle school experience where you have, you know, like AV Club, which I'm part of now, and photography and, um, you know, basic programming and things like that. So this year, you know, started off the same. I'm, I'm doing, you know, I'm teaching, you know, basic technology skills and I'm teaching some programming and I'm doing photo club and AV Club and things like this. And, you know, about midway through the year, this girl comes up to me, a student of mine, and 
she says, you know, hey, Mr. E, did you ever see Stranger Things? So it's all, it's all goes back to Stranger Things, um, <laughs> which is interesting, by the way, because I think a lot of folks and this will we'll come back to this. And I, I, you know, I'm a fan of all the streaming and all the live play that is happening. But for my middle schoolers, for my students, that is just not even it doesn't even exist. But for them, Stranger Things exists in a big way. And this girl came up and, and we were talking about Stranger Things. And, you know, I said, well, you know, did you see it? You know, when they play D&D in that, have you ever played D&D? And she said, no, but I and I, I could just see like that was it. That was the moment. And her eyes like light up. They grow three sizes. And she says, no, can we play D&D? And I said, well, you know, I've been thinking about starting some kind of D&D club at lunch or something. And that, you know, I think that at that point I turn into the Charlie Brown adult. Wah, wah, wah. And she doesn't hear <laughs> anything else I'm saying. But she is just locked in on we are going to play D&D. And so for the next three weeks, all she does is come and ask me at my in my office. She says, have you are we starting? When is it starting? When is the club starting? And so it's progressively becoming more real in her mind. Like, like now she's just waiting for the schedule. Right. Right. <laughs> and, and I love that. So, you know, and I, I mean, I, a, I'm really excited about it. B, I have no idea how I'm going to slot this into the schedule because it's a, you know, these girls are busy, right? Everybody like middle schoolers these days are, it's not like they're going home and riding their BMX bikes. Like when I was a kid, it's like they're going home and going to like three different types of practice or, you know, uh, various activities. So I was not sure how that was going to work out. And, you know, I, I managed to find a Friday night slot that we could run a club in or a class, you know, like an after school class. And uh, I set that up and it was D&D. And a big part of this was like, I was like so worried because here I am talking up D&D to this girl. And I'm like, man, she's going to go out to some some friendly local game store and have a not friendly experience or or just awkward experience and never want to play again. And, you know, maybe or maybe she'd have a great experience. But I I just really wanted to ensure that the first time was great. So there you go, Tess. That's it. I think we're done. <laughs> That's it. That's the show. Perfect. <laughs> Sorry, that was long-winded. But no, I, you know. I, I love that. And, you know, especially what you said about you didn't want her to go into a game store and potentially have a negative experience because those are the conversations that we have is the assumption is that it's going to be a negative experience because all of us, men and women and non-binary people alike, have all either experienced, seen, or heard, if they're involved in the D&D community or the RPG community, they've either seen, heard, or been involved in some kind of experience that is not positive. Yeah. We've all heard the stories. We've all talked about the stories. You know, I think that's amazing that for you, you were like, no, if I'm going to introduce this, I want it to be a positive experience for, for these girls. Yeah. And, you know, this is we, we have a strong STEM. We call it actually STEAM, science, technology, engineering, art and math. Um, strong, strong STEAM program. And it's really the same idea. Right. Which is like, you know, STEM fields have not traditionally been very receptive to women or have pushed them out where computer science used to be pre- predominantly women. It's you know, right. no longer the case. And and so what we're doing in middle school, of course, is creating that safe space where they're able to experience these these fields in a way which is healthy and encouraging and supporting. And, Absolutely. And this is really just an extension of that for me. Mm-hmm. I, I love that so much. And I think it's so important because, well, one, it's it's really cool how you talk about how like the streams and the podcasts and that kind of world that exists for us as adults isn't really necessarily 
in your girls' minds and in their kind of lives yet. But I think the the beauty about D&D becoming more mainstream, RPGs becoming more mainstream, is that you have people now who can, especially young kids, who have an avenue of exploring RPGs that they've never had before. Yeah. And that exposure being through Stranger Things and then asking a teacher about it is amazing. I love that. Yeah. You know, the Stranger Things phenomenon is also um, impactful in another way, which I think people haven't considered, which is, I, I won't say that it seems more accessible, but in Stranger Things, you very much get the experience that I had. I mean, I grew up in, the, and maybe we'll, I can segue into this a little bit, but I grew up in the 70s and 80s. Um, playing D&D in, you know, my bedroom or basements or wherever. And it was very bare bones. It was very kind of old school, right? And that's very much what you see in Stranger Things. Whereas if you're watching these amazing live play streams or podcasts, they are amazing and fun and engaging and inspiring and sometimes overwhelming because you see these amazingly talented people who, and you think, boy, I I don't know if I can do that well. Right. And I think that's about making it accessible. I think these are the kinds of conversations we have to have is as amazing as some of those mainstream ones are like, I I mean, the Wizards of the Coast stream of many eyes was phenomenal to watch and seeing the amount of work and effort in all of these different kinds of live play, whether it was a mix of actual play and LARP or whether it was watching one of the streams where they were sitting at a table playing, it can be intimidating and it can be a little scary. And I think it's, it's important, like you said, for the exposure to D and D to not be scared about that, because it is important for us to recognize that we're not all going to be there. Yeah. Those are professionals, you know, like, and, and I've used Matt Mercer and the Uh, critical role cast as an example like they are actors they are voice actors for a living there is a reason why they are so good at improv and why they are so good at character voices it's true right like i I think like um back to school like you know you have kids who are like just just natural at getting up on stage right and then you had kids who who weren't um and but we all found our uh common place you know a common um uh, area where we could come together around the role-playing game table and today when you see people who are really professional actors and you think well i don't know if i can get up on that quote-unquote stage which is, you know, sort of the, that modern expression of, of D&D, which is only one of many expressions, of course, then I think, yeah, I would I really do want to make sure that the girls that I'm teaching know that it is uh, it's safe to to be an amateur and it's safe to be um, imperfect. Absolutely. And I think there are. So I think what you're doing is not just for the girls that you're teaching, because the way that you have been talking about it and being so active on social media about the girls and about about the accessibility of it being for anybody also sheds or shines a light on the fact that, you know, preteen girls can play and (laughs) they're not they're obviously not going to be professionals. They're just starting out. They're just learning. And that's awesome. And I think it leads to people seeing that and saying, oh, I could teach my kids this or, oh, maybe I can get involved in this in some way. 
So I think what you're doing is not just an amazing and wonderful thing for the girls in your school, but by talking about it so openly and so publicly, I think you're doing something awesome for the community at large. You know, one of the thank you very much, first of all. And and I I really am happy to hear that that comes through because it is I mean, you know, when we to share something on social media is both risky and also potentially rewarding. And one of the things that I've wanted to do and there has been, you know, there like anything on social media, you occasionally get and the 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 only negativity that I get right now on social media is mostly people being rules lawyers um, about like, I can't believe you did that with the girls. Well, yeah, it's our game. So. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm happy to push back on that point for sure. Um, you know, with folks that get a little, you know, snippety about uh, whether or not we can actually do something in d and I'm like, yeah, it's a made up game. We can do it. Right. But uh, <laughs> but, you know, beyond that, it's been it's been a very positive experience. And um, I guess what I have been happy to see come out of this is the unbelievable response of interest in terms of starting programs like this. I've had, you know, multiple people who have come back to me and said, hey. I just pitched this to my school because of what you've been doing, or um, I just started a program at our school. So, you know, people who have actually gone ahead and done things because I've been talking about it or because and not and I shouldn't say that it's not simply because of me. I mean, like the seed was there ahead of time and they were interested ahead of time. But maybe it was that final straw that kind of pushed them push them over the edge. That's a mixed metaphor. Um, so the, yeah, <laughs> That's okay. the, um, but it was that final, you know, that final little push that they needed. And, you know, I'm happy to see that happen. I think the wonderful thing about it is you're showing that it can be done and that and how positive it can be. You're not just talking about the game and you're not just talking about how much fun the girls are having, but the way that you are interacting on social media both when you're talking about the club, about the class, and the way that you interact with individuals has been so obvious that you're sharing the benefits of of doing this. Thank you. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, I'm just going to bring up an anecdote real quick, which is uh, I, was talking, I was talking to some other folks the other day here in Seattle. Actually, I was talking with um, Adam and Adam from Game to Grow. They're really nice guys um, that they run an amazing program. Like I, I I was really excited about the work I'm doing. And I sat with them for an hour and talked and basically came away feeling like, uh, you know, a student all over again. And I was like, just like, I just <laughs> taken a little master class from them on how to be a good dungeon master. So they run a therapy program. But, you know, we were talking about um, being out of towners in Seattle. I grew up in Wisconsin. I grew up in Wisconsin, actually, the home of, of TSR back in the 80s, you know, in the 70s and 80s. Um, so we used, we used to see all the TSR, you know, the like the zero edition D&D on the shelves at Walden Books back in the day. I don't know if that was due to proximity or not, though I suspect it had something to do with it. And um, but, you know, I, I we were talking about feeling like sometimes like our we're not quite <laughs> Seattle style. I don't know if you've ever been to Seattle style, but there's there's this thing called like the Seattle chill, right, where people are a little like. You know, not standoffish, but really, uh, cool, right? And I think that this comes through on social media. I hope it does. But I, I long ago decided that I'm just going to keep being the same kind of goofball Wisconsin boy that I am, which is pretty much like, you know, I, I kind of have a big grin on my face most of the time and am just happy to be part of such a wonderful community. And, you know, I hope that 
that comes through for better or for worse uh, in, in what I post on social media as well. Yeah, it does. You are an incredibly positive and like encouraging individual. I mean, now that I'm talking to you as well, but on your online persona as well as as well as now in our conversation, I can you know, I can hear the smile coming through. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thanks. So I guess we've talked about where you kind of started off and and how you got into it. Tell me more about the girls, because one of the things that I love is when you announced that D&D studies became an official elective <laughs> in the middle of the day, like there was so much excitement and and so many people who were commenting on it. And it was so obvious that you were excited about it. And now I love when you're talking about how these two groups almost do crossover with each other. Well, I have to, so I'm going to give a shout out here to Lindsay Mutchler and uh, Patty Hearn. Lindsay is our Dean of Teaching and Patty is our head of school. And, you know, they, <laughs> there is a leap of faith that Patty took kind of saying yes to Lindsay and I. And there's also a, I mean, I owe this to Lindsay because she came to me as the Dean of Teaching and she said, you know, listen, we, you know, we had this opening. Would you, would you do a and d class? And, you know, I actually, by the way, I, at first my answer was not yes. Oh, really? Yeah. Why? Anyway, well, because I, I was nervous. <laughs> I was, I was, you know, I love I, your honest answer. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah. You know, it's because I want to do a great job and because I want to bring academics to this. And, you know, playing D&D on Friday night with six girls is one thing. And then and, and kind of committing to bring more academics into it during the day was a it was a different um it's a different story. Right. And right. And I, I wanted to make, you know, I'm not a teacher by training. Right. I'm right. I'm the technology director and I've taught I've taught at university level and I've taught at other levels as well. And it's so it's not like I'm inexperienced, but I, you know, I don't have a master's in education. Um, I'm a good old fashioned liberal arts grad. So you know that, that <laughs> qualifies you to do everything and nothing. Right. <laughs> so that, you know, that right there, I, I sort of took a moment. And I thought, well, listen, you know, there's a couple of things I've been thinking about starting. I'm, I, I do ham radio. I was thinking about doing a ham radio class with the girls and I'd still like to do that in the future. But I, I thought it over and I thought, you know, let's, let's grab the brass ring here and try to make this work. And, and we're going to do it live, right? We're going to do it like just as we go along, we're going to do this curriculum planning and all of that. So that's basically what happened. And, um, you know, just that, that moment where they said, let's, let's make this into a real class. Um, I kind of stepped back and I threw together some basic, you know, what are the goals that I would like to achieve here academically? And, um, we put together, a an elective of eight girls and originally, we were going to have, and I did have some assistance from a wonderful teacher named Shatera, and she came in for, um, you know, when, when she was able to and helped with the class. But for the most part, it was just me with eight girls, and that was a lot to DM for. And the great thing about that is I actually developed some different techniques uh, for running such a large group. Right. Um, but I'm sorry, let me go back to your question. Can you let maybe rephrase yeah. it? I, I don't want to miss out on any of the points that you made. I mean, I want to hear more about the class and the the structure of it and how how D&D and academics, how you've melded the two together, because there's so many things I can think of off the top oh, yeah. of my head that D&D can cover. But I also love how the D&D studies elective and the club 
interact. <laughs> oh yes, yes. With no, this the way is that amazing. They seem to like be yeah. existing in the same this world. This was an emergent phenomenon. Okay, so let let me let me step back. I'm just gonna I'm gonna paint okay. this picture now. So. Um, I started, you know, th- all this has been just since January, this whole D and D phenomenon at our school. And, and I tell you right now, by the way, I bet I could run a D and D class with 50 girls. Like, I mean, like I could run if I had the capacity in terms of clubs and right. classes, uh, there is so much interest in the school right now around D and D right. You know, I've, I've had, of course, the question is like, how is it a class? What are they learning? Right. And the first answer, and this is this is true for any subject, is you need to create engagement. Right. Oh, yeah. And D&D instantly creates engagement. And on the back of that engagement, I, I think of D&D in the classroom as a clothesline. And it is this clothesline of engagement. And on that clothesline, you can hang all sorts of academic subjects. Right. And so, for instance, you know, I've done a lot of little stuff with math here and there. And it doesn't mean that we're teaching math, but it means that as the as the math and we actually play in the math room for the D&D class as the, you know, the math curriculum moves along throughout the year. And as it did in the latter half of this year, I was able to build on things like, OK, we're going to do an area calculation now. So I, I threw things at the girls like you're you know, you're in this room and I'd like to the first person who can give me the area of this chamber is going to get a point of inspiration or, you know, figure out the volume of mist in this chamber. As we're in the midst of this battle with this like misty creature, this misty snake. So those those are just some very simple examples. But uh, another one would be uh, with rules, uh, you know, a math related issue. These are these are concrete things that I've done. You know, instead of having look, we have a lookup table, right, for modifiers, for ability modifiers. Well, that's based on a simple algorithm, right, which is that your your modifier is equal to your ability score minus 10 divided by two and you round down. Right. And the girls have to memorize that. Right. Right. And so we, we draw out the equation and, you know, it takes them a couple of sessions to kind of get it under their belt. But now they're able to just like immediately, like anytime I say like, OK, your ability score is 15. Right. So then they have to figure out, oh, OK, well, let's see, minus 10 divided by two round down. And they're good at it now. And so just like building in those types of those little experiences. Right. It's there's a lot of room for small additions like that. And there's enormous room for even bigger um, academic uh, subjects like we could do a whole section just on on, you know, medieval cities or city planning. We right. could do, cre- I mean, there's creative writing opportunities galore. I had the Friday Night Club do their, write up their backstories. And I had girls literally write like dozens of pages of backstory. <laughs> and I was like, okay, now we're going to, now we're going to work on editing, right? And uh, so creative writing, um, art, obviously, um, but it's, it's just unlimited, po- you know, political science, political theory, um, uh, history, research. I, it is it, it's unlimited. And the amazing thing about it is there's engage- that same clothesline of engagement, that same through line exists no matter what academic subject we want to tack on. It's really an issue of just sort of structuring it and picking, right. picking which ones we're going to focus on. Absolutely. And I, I I love that. Oh, you've you've talked about so many things that I want to touch on. Too. Oh, yeah. And I didn't even get to the, the cross fertilization yet, but we'll, we can come back to that here. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get to the crossover in a few seconds. But so right at the beginning, you said D&D provides a level of engagement just by what it is. Yeah. And it's an amazing thing with role playing and creating a character and taking ownership of a character because it creates a level of investment that I feel you almost can't get in any other kind of academic class without somebody being really passionate about it or without 
finding ways to engage kids. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to put a pin in this particular subject because I want to talk on, at length about it, but I'll, I'll come back to the crossover. And that, that pin is in a specific subject of identity. And I think that a big part of the engagement comes from identification with their character and what that means. And it's not, you know, it's not a one-to-one, like, I am my character identification. Right. But it's an investment in the character. And so uh, let, let me come back to that. But yeah, maybe, uh, <laughs> Absolutely. maybe, I'll, maybe yes. I'll talk really briefly about sort of the crossover, because that was. Yes. That, okay. Out of all the things that I've done and planned, that's one area that I um, I didn't anticipate up front, but it was a very happy uh, accident or emergent uh, phenomenon. OK, so this is this is how it played out. So I, I started, uh, you know, going back again, this all started from January. We did our academics in the so January was the club Friday night club. And then, you know, sort of midway through this, uh, the latter part of the year, we started the class as well. And, you know, I am I, I'm, I'm the technology director. So all day I'm working with, you know, computers and systems and fixing things and building out new capacity and um, developing our technology curriculum and things like this. And so I don't actually have very much prep time unless I'm doing it sort of in the evenings or on weekends. And even so, I have taken a very improv uh, approach to the the adventure that we're running. And that doesn't mean I'm not planning it out. And I have, you know, story beats that I'm trying to hit. But a lot of a lot of it is like we're going to sit down and then we um, I've got this very loose framework that I'm bringing to life in the moment. Um, and I, I have to like I am a huge fan of uh, Mike Shea aka Sly, Sly Flourish. Oh yeah. yeah. Absolutely. His lazy dungeon the um the lazy dungeon master. The lazy dungeon yeah. master. Oh, so good. It changed everything that I do. It changed the way that I DM and it made I kind of feel like it made this class possible. By the way, he early on gave us a huge donation, monetary donation, which let us buy rule books. So, not only did he like influence the way I run the campaign and the game, he also really enabled us to to play with so many girls by Oh, that's his wonderful. Donation. Yeah, he's he's such a nice guy. That's awesome. Awesome. So everybody, please go um, buy his books. <laughs> little, log, little log rolling there for Mike. It, yeah, Mike Shea and uh, the Lazy DM, the Lazy Dungeon Master is just a, a brilliant resource for anybody who hasn't DM'd before. I'm, I have it on my list of to reads and, and have started to go through it a little bit because I'm hoping myself to DM some D&D at some point in the future, perhaps with Dragon Heist when it comes out. Um, but awesome. I, I think that's really a really great resource that that you used and fantastic that that Mike donated to to the school to help make, uh, you know, the game even more possible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So and to go back to why I bring that up, actually, is that, um, you know, I I did this in this very kind of improv style. Or, or loose, you know, kind of lazy DM. Really, yeah. it's the lazy DM style, which is not, it's not pure improv, right? I mean, there's planning right. and thought and structure and work, mm-hmm. but it's done in a specific way so that I can be flexible about it in the moment. And I had done all this for the Friday Night Club. And the, the game takes place, you know, there's this, oh, and, you know, let me, let me also sort of explain, you know, my strategy with the girls was we started off at zero level. And that's a little unusual for people that are used to kind of D&D as it exists today. Um, but the reason that I did that is I, I got back into role playing games uh, just, you know, a couple of years ago. I had taken a hiatus of, you know, a couple couple decades, really, as when I was living overseas and I just didn't have opportunity or, or folks to play with. And I wasn't into, you know, D&D 4.0. So, you know, during that whole period, I just it, there was no play at all for me. 
And so recently when I did get back into role playing games, I played a game called Dungeon Crawl Classics by Goodman Games. And that's like a kind of an old school D&D game, D20 style game where you start off with zero level characters. Uh, There's a high high body count and it's, you know, it's fun and it's kind of a classic kind of grueling, gruesome dungeon crawl game. And I love starting off at zero level because there's a simplicity to it. So I did that with the girls now. And most people don't realize, by the way, but AD&D, I think um, probably AD&D 2.0, there was uh, some zero level adventures as well. And for us, what that means is that we start off with uh, just a race and ability scores. And that's basically it. Like they don't they don't pick anything else. Oh, they get a background. I okay. ran a random background. So I have them, you know, that's their first experience, their first experience rolling, rolling up a character and rolling at all is just like their ability scores and a random background. And so they get stuff like I'm a carpenter, I'm a glass blower, you know, um, and I give them some sort of um, tool which could be used in a weapon like fashion should they need to. And it's related to their background. And so that allowed us to really get started playing within like five minutes. Absolutely. And I immediately throw them into a perilous situation. So they're little they They all lived in this town of Grimwater and it was invaded by this strange. Well, first of all, you know, the Friday night club, uh, they start there and this guy comes into town and he's been wounded and he's got a map and there's people that are coming. They're like this invading force. It sounds very terrifying. They all flee the town at a moment's notice. They grab meager possessions and they're they they hit the road um, and they have some, you know, there's some goals and specific issues they have to address. And I did. So I, I developed this whole world and scenario. And so I basically just was like, OK, I'm going to take this and run the class through it as well. But I'm going to start in a slightly different location because I want them to be in the same world. And who knows? Maybe maybe the groups will meet up. Well, what happened is, <laughs> you know, I walk through the halls at lunchtime and I see these clusters of girls, which is not an unusual phenomenon, but they're. They look up and I'm coming over and they're looking a little guilty. And I realize it's my club and my class girls. And one of them, one of them stops and she says, Mr. E, because this is what they, they call me Mr. E for. I, I thought about being Mr. S, but Mr. E, if you say it quickly, is mystery. And every couple of weeks, a girl comes up to me and says, hey, do you know if you say your name real fast? It sounds like mystery. And I get and I'm <laughs> like, what? That's amazing. Um, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So, <laughs> That's adorable. Yeah. And so she said, you know, is it OK if we talk? And I mean, what am I going to say? I'm not going to say no. First of all, I would never stop them from talking. Second of all, I can't stop them from talking. All I can do is encourage it. And so in that moment, like it was that moment where this girl asked me and I was like, oh, yes, you can absolutely talk. And so I I encouraged it and it turned into this weird, this cool kind of emergent uh, phenomenon where they would exchange information. And now they're exchanging information as characters, right? I mean, as players. Right. So they it's you know, these are this is information that they don't that their characters wouldn't know, but they as players know. And so we had a little talk about that, you know, like this is now you have more information than your character has in some regards about what's happening in the world. Of course, there's I'm keeping a lot from them. So they you know, it's it's not like there's a spoiler that they're hearing. Right. Um, and they're, they have different quests. So that um, that worked out really well because it was just another way to create excitement. I could feed some information to one group and then the other group would hear it. And so what happened is then the Friday Night Club 
had this little girl with them. And this little girl had been kidnapped by some kobolds and taken away from her mom. And then I decided, well, the class, the class meets the mom. Oh, I love that. Oh, my God. The day that they met the mom... I mean, the I'm sure the shrieks could be heard throughout the building when they realized that this <laughs> this woman who was like standing dramatically silhouetted in this this, you know, stone archway on the second floor of this ruined keep firing arrows at them because she didn't know who they were and, you know, demanding that they they halt. And then as soon as she comes down, you know, she's like this fierce looking ranger wearing, you know, a leather outfit. And, and she, you know, she asks if they've seen a child and oh my god just chills and excitement in that room at that moment was just unbelievable it was palpable moments like that must make everything that you're doing worth it yeah yeah absolutely and you know there's there's more to it than than just that and you know we actually just this week i don't think i even posted about this uh on social media but i had the girls come together and in fact, I feel really sure I haven't mentioned this to anybody yet. So this is Ooh, it. This is the, I'm excited. Yeah, awesome. This is the, the world reveal. Um, <laughs> but I had, so this was Thursday and we had our last D&D class, elective class. And I got the D&D club girls to come in and we had the reunion between the, the mom and the child. And it oh, was, yay. it was such a touching moment. And so just such a culmination of this like thing that we've done. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. Yep. So when is when is your last class of the year? So it's done. Um, we actually... Oh, the last yep. elective class too is done. We had the... So the last elective class was on Thursday. The last club happened on Friday. In fact, it should have actually happened like a week ago, but we had that. And then I was like, okay, we'll do... We, most of the other... None of the other clubs happened on Friday night. We have some other, you know, activities. We were the only one because I, and I was like, I'll leave it up to the girls if they want to have one more, you know, one more Friday night. I'm right. happy to do it. And, um, you know, of course the answer was an un, unreserved, unreserved yes from all of them. So, yeah, so that's it. Um, but you know, I'm going to try to, I'm going to offer some, if I'm in town, when I'm in town this summer and, um, I'm going to be doing some pickup games, I think with them, I'm trying to figure out how to make that happen in a structured way. And we are actually running a summer camp as well. So a lot of the girls will be in that summer camp with me and it's a D oh, it's awesome. a D and D to be clear, oh my God. a D and D summer camp, a D and D summer camp. Yeah. So one of the things that I think is really great about starting this in January and, and getting the girls so involved in it is they get to go away on their summer breaks and maybe play with friends who don't go to school with them or yeah. with their families or yes. get to introduce it in such a positive way with other people. So, yeah. So two things about that. One is uh, a lot of the girls in both my club and my class, um, I have had their parents have been super supportive, by the way. It's been yeah. wonderful. Um, and a lot of, you know, a lot of them have p parents that play D&D. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I shouldn't say a lot, but, but several, a few. yeah. Yeah. And so I've had several reach out to me and say like, okay, you know, uh, she's getting ready to play and she's going to be, she's going to be abroad this summer, but she's going to play and we, we have it all worked out and just to see them support their, their students like this has been great. Um, and then the other thing is that the, on Thursday, and I think I did post a clip of this online, but I, I had a little talk with the girls as well, because this was the, you know, I I feel like I'm sort of letting them go out into the big wide world. And I, I said, look, you 
all have a chance to go out and play this summer. I encourage you to do that. You know, you can you can play with your friends, you can play at game stores or conventions or whatever you're going to do and just know that you've had a wonderful experience and you this is your game. You own this game. Don't ever don't ever let anybody tell you otherwise. And you're going to have good experiences. You're going to have weird experiences. You're going to have good weird and you're going to have awkward weird. And don't worry about, you know, that's just life. But keep this kind of in your heart and your memory and know that it can be this good and nobody can take it away from you. And so just so that they I want to create a resilience Right. Right. And and hopefully I think that they have that now. I think that they they do have that sense of ownership of this game. And I think they will be resilient if they have an awkward experience, hopefully. Um, And I hope they have go out and have great experiences with it. That's beautiful. I love that so much. I want to touch on it. Oh, gosh, I I wish I could talk to you like all day. Oh, yeah, Um, sure. (laughs) But I have a few things I want to touch on because there were a couple really cool things. I do want to get back to the D&D summer camp because that sounds super cool. And I wish that kind of thing existed when I was a kid. But I also want to go back to what you said about identity and the identity of a character being part of themselves, because I've had a lot of conversations and I've experienced it myself where your character's identity often is like you put so much of yourself into your character in different ways. And whether that's in the ways you wish you could be as a person, or if it's in areas where you hope to be, or if it's in areas that you are and you're really proud of, or if it's ways that you want to explore. So I've talked to people about um, the way they've explored uh, gender and sexuality in characters mm-hmm. in ways that they felt they couldn't explore um, in in their day-to-day lives. Or folks who have disabilities and in D&D they can play a strong able-bodied individual where in life that can be really difficult for them. Yeah. Uh, and so I want to touch on that and how you approach that with the girls because I think that's such an imperative thing for people to have positive experiences with their characters and having that ownership over their characters. So I, I, I just want to hear about how you approach that with the girls and and kind of what you've seen come out of that. Yeah. So, okay, I'm going to lay this out in a couple parts. And the first part is that in terms of identification with character and characters that the the girls have created. So for a lot of them, this is their first experience. I, I want to mention a couple of the rules that I set out for them just in terms of play. And this will come back to identity. Um, one of the rules is uh, no evil characters. Another rule was that the characters have to trust each other. It just is the way it is. I wanted to make sure that there was no kind of inter-party conflict. It doesn't, right. it doesn't mean that there isn't conflict, but that it's not um, It's not the kind of conflict that creates a, a distrust between, right. between characters and potentially, of course, between players. Right, of course. So, you know, all I, my rule was we're all on the same team and we all trust each other and we all have each other's back. There's no, there's no fighting, like physical fighting between characters in the game. And those are really the only two kind of rules that I set out for play style. But the reason the reason that I wanted to do that was because I anticipated that the girls would be creating characters that they identified with. And that kind of crossover between player and character 
and the interpersonal relationships between player and character, I could see being potentially fraught unless we sort of laid out those ground rules. And I, I think that they were great decisions. I stick by them and I would I, I did them both in the club and then again in the class. And I'm very happy with those choices. Um, now, the next part about identity that I want to mention is the school itself. And uh, our head of school, Patty Hearn, who I mentioned earlier, who's an amazing woman, she has a great turn of phrase, which is um, so we're just to be clear, we're a very kind of socially progressive and inclusive school. And she has a great phrase, which is we accept only girls, but we graduate anyone. And so in terms of gender identity and yeah, I, I'm just interrupting you just to say that you just brought me to tears a little bit because that is a beautiful phrase. It that is. is, I love that so much. Yeah. It's an amazing school. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That, that really is. So, okay, go on. Yeah, Sorry. No, it's, it is, <laughs> I, you know, um, that had a real impact on the program for me as well, or in the way that I run D and D because that, you know, that phrase has stuck with me since hearing it. And I thought, well, how do I, you know, again, these girls are going to create characters that they identify with or that are aspirational or or that are, are exploratory. I mean, this is middle school, you know, like right. to stand in the hallway. I, I look at our sixth graders and, you know, these are, you know, 11, 12 year old girls coming in and they're they're not knee high, but, you know, they're short. And then by by seventh and then finally eighth grade, these girls are some of them are as tall as I am. Right. Right. And or close to it. So, you know, it's it's such a change, a time of change physically, emotionally, mentally and in terms of identity. And I, yeah. I wanted to honor that. And I wanted to we have players in D&D at every grade level. And so I, I wanted to give them a chance to both have a, to explore and to have that feel safe and respected. Right. Um, and also change over time. And so, for instance, I don't ask them the gender of their character. What I ask for is I, I thought about this. I was like, why? What do why do I need that? Um, right. Maybe all I really need because I'm going to talk about their character is a pronoun. And so I said, do you want he, she or they? And I let the girls choose what they want. They can choose. Right. They can choose any pronoun for their character. And I don't ask any more information than that. And if they wish to provide more information, say, in a backstory, that's fine. Um, but that's a different, you know, that's that's really up to them. So it's volitional. Right. And I, I'm very flexible too. like if they I, I make it clear, I'm like, if you guys want to you know, change that at any point, you're going to talk to me and it's fine. No problem. And then, you know, there's more about identity, too, which is fascinating. You know, they I have girls who are very quiet and uh, I wouldn't say shy, I guess would be the right word. Right. And they're characters sometimes start off like that and i have seen what happens quite often is their character will shift the character will become a little bit more bold and and for instance one girl in particular that i'm thinking of her character became a little bit more bold but she was still referring to it to you know she was still playing the third person right right so so and so walks across the room or so and so draws her sword and then just in the past couple weeks it turned into i walk across the room. I draw my sword. And finally, she started to really role play in character. And it was, you know, it was a small thing. And I, I don't know that anybody else really thought about it. It felt natural. And I think it felt natural for her. That's perfect. 
So, yeah. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, manage, I, I do think about, I, but it's important, I think, to kind of lay those ground rules up front and give them that safe space to, um, to identify and to have that kind of parameter. You know, I don't want it to be anything is possible. So you're going to do terrible things just because you can. And I don't think that they are inclined to do that, but I wanted to really kind of cut that chant, that channel off. Well, I think what you're doing is providing a safe space to play for them to explore the game, learn the game, explore that identity, and also to a certain extent, learn about game bleed and in a a safe way, though, um, and in a positive way where you can debrief what happened, where you can talk about what happened in a way that gives them the tools to be able to go out and be in control of the worlds that they create outside of school. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there we've had we've had occasional kind of interpersonal conflict where it's at, like at the table stuff um, could be that one character, you know, one player is talking over another or what have you. And I spend time at the beginning of the session and sometimes at the end, but more at the beginning. You know, what I'll do is at the end, I'll say, hey, you know, I noticed that this this session we had a little lot, we had a lot of talking over each other. And usually the girls are right there with me and they're like, yeah, that we really noticed that, too. They know that it takes away from fun if that kind of thing happens and they are willing to problem solve. And so we'll spend time at the beginning of class kind of problem solving. How can we deal with that? Uh, And some of those are things that I think I will take with me the next time that we run this this club in class. I'll use some of the solutions they have come up with. And some of them are specific to the group. Yeah, that's I I really think that the most important thing that you're doing from my perspective, of course, with this group is is providing them the tools to explore and be creative and have good experiences in such a safe space. I hope so. Yeah, I, I think it, it has been that for them at this point. And uh, you know, I know, <laughs> you know, I'm excited to see how the D&D camp goes. We can talk a little bit about that as well. But, yes. Um, yeah. Tell me about the D&D camp. What do you have in store for it? That's a great question. Um, I'm not sure at this point. I'm still I'm, I'm actually now that school is just wrapping up and this just happened last week. I'm going to be sitting down and just devoting a lot of time and energy to, to planning mm. out the camp. And I, I again, it's going to be things like, you know, we, we have that through line of engagement, um, that close line of engagement metaphor and i'm going to be hanging a lot of other subjects off of that but i i really would like to do things like focus more on teaching the girls to dm and uh world build and and some of the more advanced subjects it's only a week-long camp um you know if we had an archery range i'd be having the girls do archery too you know like things like this i have a ton of ideas and it's just kind of a question of um picking off you know biting off what we can chew um and and playing a tons of play I, i really want to get into some longer sessions as well but I'm actually so just to mention, um, the camp is actually going to be run by um, another Canadian woman and myself. And her name is Kat Kruger. She runs a podcast called. Oh, my God. I know Kat Kruger. I interviewed her for this show. <laughs> I was going to ask if you know her. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, I've never met her in person, but I love that she's involved in this camp I, with you. I do, too. And it's, you know, I, I didn't ask you initially because what a terrible <laughs> thing to ask. You know, hey, do you know this other Canadian? But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and she's Seattle based now. She is. Um, and oh my god, I'm so excited! Yeah. Sorry, you can hear the level of my voice get even more excited. No, about no, that. totally. I, because yeah. Kat has experience running D and D for kids. Yes, uh, for youth, I should say. Uh, I'm not sure how how 
young the kids were that that she has experience with. But that's oh, that's amazing! What a team you guys are! I, I am ex- oh, I'm excited. I'm so excited for you yeah. and for the girls. Kat, Kat and I just met for the first time the other day. I actually, you know, I reached the way it worked out. Um, I hope she doesn't mind me mentioning this, but you know, I I reached out to her because I listen to D twenty Dames, and there's a limited number of podcasts I listen to because I just don't have yeah. I don't know much time, but. Um, D20 Dames was one of them. And I, I wrote to her and I, just out of the blue. And I was like, hey, you know, I'm going to be running this summer camp in Seattle. Do you know any Seattle based, you know, women that are, are dungeon masters and that would be interested in running the camp with me? Because I didn't want to, you know, like I'm I, listen, I'm a white guy. You know, I'm the last I, we don't need any more white guys running D&D for the girls at my school. Right. Like <laughs> I wanted I wanted some diversity and I wanted to find, right. a, you know, a woman who was a DM and. Was her response, hello, yeah, you've met that, her. <laughs> that was it. That was it. So it was a happy accident. And um, I just got lucky and uh, really lucky. You know, she really is. Like you say, she's a perfect fit. And oh, that's such amazing. A, just such a wonderful person and a kind soul and um, very balanced. So and talented. Oh, so talented. So, Brilliant. So Tess, I appreciate you inviting me on the Mike Shea and Kat Kruger Appreciation Hour. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but no. Yeah, that's what this is. Right? That's what this show is. <laughs> it's all about Cat and Mike. Yep. Um, no, we're you know it's it's we it's I'm just so yeah. excited about it. So we're we actually just uh, are starting to collaborate on the curriculum. Oh, that's and, amazing and activities. But it's on just. I'm so excited about it. It's going to be a great time. And I can't wait to hear more about it yeah. and see you tweeting about it yeah, and, me too. and talking about it. Uh, it's That's going to be amazing. Yeah, I'll keep you posted. I'm so excited for the girls. That's going to be a really fantastic camp with the power of you and Kat behind it. So Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. So the last thing is that I sent you a list of questions that I haven't heard the girls answer Oh, yes, yet. sure. Yeah, I have. I have actually recorded uh, some answers on all those for you. So I gave you some questions to ask the girls about D&D. And I want to ask you, what was what surprised you about their answers? Or was there anything that surprised you? Oh, about their answers? Um, oh, I guess a couple. So there's a couple things that surprised me. The favorite things about D&D class and D&D club uh, there was a funny answer there. So they they occasionally have I have had um, more so in the class. There's different energy levels between my club and my class. It's just a personality thing, I think. And the the club is super high. I, you know, first of all, by the way, um, for reference, for all of you out there that are thinking about running a middle school um, D&D club, don't run it on Friday nights after the, after a week of school. <laughs> I mean, I, I knew this. I've run Friday night classes at this uh, school before. And I know it's like, you know, it's really like these girls are they're tired at, after a week and their forebrain has kind of shut down. Right. So all their executive functioning is kind of going offline. And so just kind of keeping girls sitting down at the table sometimes is a challenge on Friday night. And so we usually, you know, I kind of have a rule, which is we're all sitting down. Um, we have some rules about how about listening and things like that. But in the class, it's actually a, there's a different energy level there. And so I've been able to do things like, OK, it is we can have them get up and enact certain scenes. And so, for instance, the other day, one of our characters was uh, stuck in a tunnel and the tor- her torch went out. And so I had her play. And she actually, I didn't ask her to do this. She, she, volu- she just like did it. She wrapped a blindfold around her head 
And she played the whole session like that. And that sort of kickstarted the. And so I had her um, companion kind of who had um, dark vision. I had her lead her around. I love that. And yeah. And sort of like <laughs> navigate amazing. through some chairs in the classroom. Yeah. And, and that was just such a neat, you know, it's a small thing, but it sort of created this like visceral, you know, this reality, the sense of, of realism for a moment. And everybody was so like just focused on what was happening. And so we've done a couple other things like that. And that's turned out to be one of their favorite things is this moment, this chance to kind of like get up and enact. And again, it goes into this, you know, this crossover between D&D and drama, which is something else in, we didn't talk about in the academics. But, you know, improv and drama and character and acting and all those things that we can build in and that just sort of are a natural part of D&D. So they love that. Uh, the other thing that surprised me was and I didn't have any sense of is they, you know, we, we talk about me posting them on Twitter or talk about you know like the response of the community and the support of the community and of course they they sense it in the the actual things that people have sent and the donations and just the the words of support which we all appreciate and they we talked about that so one of your questions was you know how do you feel about um sort of the notoriety both for me and also for the girls uh, in terms of their play and they were they were excited about it not for themselves they were excited about it for other girls Oh, that's awesome. They were excited because they felt like by being um, publicly vocal about this, we are encouraging other girls to play, which was their concern. So it was great. I was just so happy to hear that. I love that. That's oh, that's so wonderful. I'm so excited that that you made the time to carve out to chat with me today. Uh, you're doing a really amazing thing. And you know, I just, I wish that I had had that same opportunity when I was their age. Yeah. And so it just really warms me to the depths of my soul that you exist <laughs> and are doing that for these girls. This is so amazing. Well, so thank you. Thank you very much, Tess. And, you know, I, the one thing that I, I want to maybe close with is, you know, if my girls do listen to this, I want to say thank you to all of my students. Um, they, it's been a real honor and a wonderful opportunity to work with them. And they have given me so much. I grew up in the 70s and 80s as a you know boy in the Midwest. And fantasy was sort of built for me, right? Like every... You know, every fantastical, you know, 80s, uh, you know, court cheesy movie, there were, you know, white male protagonists, often little boys were in there and it was geared for me. And I, I look back on all that and I think what a sense of ownership I had from that. And I just sense this responsibility I have now to turn that inside out and to give to, to open up that gate for these girls. Yeah. And I hope, I hope that's happening. I appreciate the support of you and thank you for inviting me on to speak with you. And I appreciate the support of the, the larger D and D community. Thank you so much. This has been amazing, Ethan. Thank you, Tess. Okay. So I'm going to ask some questions and I was like, you guys, we can just talk about it. Okay. okay. Um, so the first thing that I want to ask is what has been your favorite thing about D&D class. Oh my god. Playing, playing the game. Role playing. playing. Oh, role yes, playing. Role playing so much. Wait, let's, in let's, the battle scenes? Yeah, just, you, we can have a conversation and then you can also go around in a circle so we get everybody okay. a chance. Well, my favorite part was when we got to act out what our character was going to do. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then like fake fighting. Fake fighting? I like, I like just playing in general. It's so fun. Um, I really like rolling the die and also role playing. Um, 
I like role playing, even though the only like role playing I've done was playing a dead body, but it was still <laughs> actually really fun. Wait, um, what do you mean role playing? You mean like, well, like or when you were well, playing, like physical, like physical, physical, physical uh, play, and I was yeah. a dead body. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, yeah. Your actual character, you role play too, but you yeah. played a more acting way. Um, I like the suspense of like when someone's rolling the dice and like. You don't know if they're gonna hit the thing that they're attacking or whatever. I like that. I like when you don't win because it's kind of funny. Like if you roll a one or something, it's kind of funny. Yeah. You also die. I like like the community, and then I like kind of the opposite of what Kona said. Like when you when you think, oh no, we're gonna lose, and then you get like a twenty, and you're like, yes, we won. Well, I like doing stupid things and just seeing what <laughs> It's really fun because, like, I've talked to random things before. Just seeing you, you know, and yelping when I that's you like courtesy to statues yeah. and fees. Yeah. That's another thing that I like because I can't, like, in regular life, I can't go off by myself and try to fight a dragon because I'd be too scared. Why are you talking like that? <laughs> because it's fine. I'll talk regularly. No, it's, it's okay. You no, can hear okay. your character. Fine. Okay, I'll talk in a Scottish accent then. But, okay, anyway, as I was saying, I can't do stupid things in real life because I'll get in trouble. But, <laughs> but I can do them now. That's, Same. Yeah. But when people do stupid things and it's not me, then sometimes I get mad. I'm like, what What the heck was that? Why'd you do that? Uh-huh. Yeah, because I did the yeah, best way feel about you like you, that was a bad idea when you did the. Well, it was a stupid was a idea, idea, but if it did work, then it would have been awesome. But it didn't. But it did. But work. it did work. It did work. It got the thing into place. Remember? Yeah, and I still lost like two hit points. But you still like yeah. lost hit points. Okay. 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 I'm gonna play today. Okay. Well, now, I got let the me ask. Place. Let me ask another question. So, when you first started playing D&D with me, what was sort of the hardest thing for you guys to understand or, or like figure out how to do like, and I'll give you an example. Like a lot of people play video games and sometimes I feel like when you start playing D&D, it's kind of hard to understand at first. Like you can kind of do anything, yeah. right? And there's any options, but were there any, was there anything else that you kind of had to sort of get adapt to or figure oh, out? It was really hard for me when I had to calculate like if I rolled like yeah. a 15 and then I would have to add the modifier, mm-hmm. it was really hard to get used to adding the modifier because I was like, oh, I got a 12, but wait, I got a 15. <laughs> it's hard for me to realize that you gotta do whatever you want, like that the DM gets to pretty much decide whatever. Yeah, like I found yeah. myself like asking Mystery, like, hey, can I do this? Oh wait, I'm not to do anything, so. That's right. Um, it, was, it was really hard for me to get into character. I mean. Obviously, obviously, that's not hard now. But in the beginning, I was very scared to do my Scottish accent. Yeah, it was hard you for me were? to get into character. <laughs> well, that's not the true. Class talking okay. in this I'm deck. sorry if anyone's Scottish is listening. I've had my character, Scottish character, and then I had a Scottish goose in the play. Oh, okay. And then I wasn't sure if I should also add in a Scottish elf. But... I think it was a good decision. <laughs> okay. we all, I'll tell you, like, when you play D&D, you end up, well, if you do accents, like, I'll, I'll you know, I try to do accents sometimes, uh-huh. and um, you tend to have an accent you fall back on. Yeah. Like, it's your easiest accent Mine's to do. Southern. So, I yeah, love Southern. southern I like your it. Southern name. Me, too. Uh-huh. I love Southern accents. I can really. Like, and there's different types of Southern accents. Britain. Since Scotland's not an actual thing, can I, in, like, D&D world, can I call it Blattish? 
<laughs> let me let me ask you what has um what has surprised you most about D&D? Probably, Take a surprise. How, uh, Probably how like the D like the D M the D Master. Yeah, the D Master. Okay, well the DM they pretty much decide your fate. And so yeah. if you yeah. like pay attention to like your DM and you can read their facial features. <laughs> Exactly what you should and shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. There was one time, I think it was in the very first game. Yeah. And we were asked if we were bringing a torch and if we exactly. were putting it underneath a piece of paper. And I'm like, that doesn't seem like a that stupid idea. Mm. And then I look at Mr. E and he goes, mm, Do you really want to do that? And I was like, Oh, you know what? You know what? We're not doing that. We're putting it about five feet away. And then, like, if you can read your DM. Five extinguisher. If you can read your DM. Yeah, you can read your DM. I need to work on my poker face. If you can read your DM. Yeah, you know you how you can read I find it, like, uh, yeah, you, like, weep You should that. just sit weird. under the blanket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, well, sometimes I will try to, like, you know. You have, like, 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 a curtain. Yeah, I mean, I may, like, wiggle my eyebrows, like, what are you doing? What are you going to do now? Well, you do and like, sometimes I do it because I want you to do it. Sometimes I am like thinking. You do that all the you time. Think about like, it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I find it like just as much a game, like with your characters, as a game to like try to figure out what the DM is saying uh-huh. and like try to figure out how to convince you like your classmates like don't do this or do this. Like I find it like yeah. there's so much yeah. of that, and I think that's so fun. Like. I'll just be like watching the stream, like so. I can't figure out what he wants. I us love to your do. voices, like the voices that you. Would oh yeah, Ryan's yeah, vo- so like, voice. <laughs> 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 like that. Um, um, wait, okay, wait, one second, uh, wait. one second. As much as I love this, will we have a chance to play today? Yes, yes. <laughs> um, Sorry, they can't hear it all. One hundred percent, yes. Uh, just a couple more questions. So let me ask: um, Would you guys ever play D and D outside of school? Yes. Oh my gosh. Oh, awesome. Yes. I didn't know what it was for this family. club. Yeah, I'm playing with this elective, yeah, and we then all make of the other people who, in yet. the club who said, yeah. "Like, oh my gosh, this is the best thing ever." And then I was like, "Well, can it really be the best thing ever?" Yeah. Like, and then I tried, and like, "Oh, it really is the best <laughs> thing <laughs> ever." It surprised me how much I can get into like the world of D and D. Like, I'll get home and I was like, I was like, I fought this dragon thing today and I ripped off its skeleton head. And my mom's like, What are you talking about? She, this is kind of violent. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Have you guys? Has anybody asked you? Like your parents? Been oh, like, oh, that sounds a little yeah. Violent. One person thought I was talking. My parents are used to it. One person thought I was talking. You were saying yes. Yeah, my mom's like, uh, I don't know if you should really be playing a violent game like this. It might not be good for you. And I told her like, it's not all that violent. It's more like strategy and skill sometimes. And then sometimes it's pure luck. Yeah. And she's like, oh, well, okay. All the time. Talk to your brothers about the violentness, or else they're gonna. Oh yeah, younger brothers. Yeah. Oh my gosh, she's two twin little brothers. Oh my god, they're crazy. Our brothers are best friends. They're like. Um, yeah, my dad, he always wants, he plays, he played D&D when he was younger, so he doesn't really care about all the violence, um, but he always wants a recap whenever I get home, he's like, Claire, what happened in D&D today? And I'm like, uh... I would always come home so excited and be like, Mom, I tamed a wolf and his face was inches from mine and he bit my arm and it almost came off. And she'd be like, I'm kind of worried about you. <laughs> <laughs> One person thought I'm a 
was telling them about it. It was like a babysitter or something, and they were like, "How do you get this wolf into your classroom?" And I'm like, "You use your <laughs> imagination." They didn't know what D and D was. Oh or, I mean, they knew what it was, but they didn't know how to play it. So they thought it was in like in real life. Oh, they were, like thought we had actually gotten a wolf. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. Is that when you have violence in D and D? It's mostly just about like getting <laughs> getting somewhere, like getting further in the yeah. in like the adventure. Yes. Like I mean, you have to. Have we killed anything? Yes. yes. What did we kill? We, we killed skeleton. Skeleton. Okay. We killed the, the horse. Uh, can I point out? The eel. It's we killed the wolf riders. We killed the hope. You don't know if he killed them. Wait, what? I mean, the skeleton disintegrated, right? But he might have been dead. Oh my god! Just get us some meat. I feel like the I'm weird thing about like, how we're talking about how we read your face. Huh? We read your face like when you go. How do you know he died though? And then we're like. Oh, then he didn't. You have that Maybe. smile. Oh, and like, don't take her finger bones. The finger bones. Mm-hmm. The finger bones. I'm finger still bones. gonna take them. Don't. So, what else have we killed? Uh, the eel. The eel. Right. The wolf. Did we kill the wolf rider? No, it's still no, out no. there. No. We it just told them go away. So we. I don't think there's been too much bloodletting. There's there's something else. There was no There's no bloodletting. We haven't killed the eel. We didn't. We didn't kill the eel. No, they didn't kill the eel. Oh, the fire snake! The fire snake! Or yeah. the, oh, the snake. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, oh, but yeah. it, we didn't really yeah, kill it. It just kind of like... Yeah. Yeah. Well, we yeah. killed yeah. it. Yeah. We killed it in. We yeah, you almost killed it in. Yeah, well... <laughs> some of the rest of us almost have died. Oh, yeah. Ella. Multiple times. Ella has been Ella. close to death twice. Ella, I dropped a zero hit points. That was really bad. Have I regained any hit points? No. Let me ask uh, a couple last questions. Um, so I'm just going to read this one straight out of the, the Twitter question, and mm-hmm. it's a funny it's a funny question. Your teacher, Ethan, is pretty internet famous because of you. I yeah. don't, I'm not sure that's entirely because of us. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm not sure. I think you were famous before us. Were you famous before? You just like the family. Yeah, I think it means a lot to the D and D community seeing yes. so many girls playing D and D. How do you feel about that? Oh my god! I'm yes. famous. So I love being famous. Zoe, <laughs> <laughs> so you got. I will sign eighty. Let's like autograph. Like, we'll sign The most important thing to me about being famous about. on Twitter and showing other like people, like women or girls and like the community who want to get into D D, it's just really cool to show them that women too can play and they are like an important part an important part. And that it's not just like a male thing. Yeah. And so it's easy to play and easy to do stuff like that. Really anybody can play and you can be anything in D D, so yeah. it doesn't matter who you play, it doesn't really matter who you are. And it's just something that you can come together with a bunch of friends and you can kinda go and transform yourself into this different world that you can play yeah. in. And yeah. well, I think oh, it's cool so because fun. Oh, we're going around in a circle. Uh, doesn't matter. It's okay. We can go. I think it's cool. I think we need to go. I think it's cool because like we're really supported by people to do this, but like by us 
being famous. Famous. <laughs> <laughs> We're like My showing people knew. who maybe aren't as supportive that they can do it too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think what a real inspiration to people <laughs> who want yeah. to play DD. And I would also like to say, if the casting committee of Stranger Things is watching, <laughs> I would love a role in your show. Me I too. could do a great Same. 11 impression. You can't see it, but I'm doing it. <laughs> uh, my nose is bleeding. Yeah. I can make it bleed on command. I can't do that. Oh, awesome. I can be an extra. I'm very good at being I extra. would like. Okay. I could be an extra. Just, just, just okay. like I can I also be an extra, but I would prefer. And I don't <laughs> obsess over Finn Wolfhard. I do. Okay. Yeah, I think it's really good that we are kind of famous because it, it like Zoe said, it inspires others. It's Blair. Yeah, it's yeah. like Blair. Blair It's an inspiration to people who don't like aren't confident in playing D and D or like aren't like uh, supported in playing D and D. It's like mostly a like a male dominated game, which it in the past it probably was, but now it's not as much. It's funny also because I when the first time I was in this class, I go, Mom. Guess what? I'm in this D and D thing, and she's like, "What the heck is that?" And then I said the same thing to my dad. He's like, "I played that when I was your age, yeah. and in high yeah. school, and also in college, <laughs> and now every weekend." Yeah. And I'm, I'm and I, I told my friends and their parents, and really only the males knew yeah. what it was. Like D and D, do not disturb. <laughs> Or D and D, Dungeons and Dragons. It would be two different answers. Yeah, um, that's interesting. Yeah, my dad found some of his old modules, and I read the old player's handbook, and there are only two girls in that whole. Yeah, handbook. yeah. The art has changed a lot. The, the representation monsters. has changed a lot. Oh, yeah, your old. What's your old? Uh, the the old screen. It's all just like the wizard saving this like super skinny oh, princess. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, very sure. inappropriate. Yeah. <laughs> I think like. All of us with the tuggy like, wearing our D and D shirts, so that other people are like, "Oh right, girls are into D and D." Like I think yeah. just <laughs> us wearing a t shirt or saying, "Oh, I play D and D," like wearing when men are there. Like I think that shows and maybe helps others realize that other people play D and D too. It's not just boys. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Any thoughts or Ella? Yeah, that's yeah. How many weeks have we been playing? Uh, 14. 14. Not enough. We've been playing for like not eight weeks. Enough. I feel like we just no, we've been playing for seven, 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 seven weeks. Seven weeks. No, eight weeks. Because that Twice one week we wrote. So this is what okay. I want to close with. Oh, yes. Okay. I want you to remember. So no matter where you play or who you play with, you're going to have, and this is true in life in general. You're going to have good experiences, and you're going to have bad experiences, and you're going to have fun experiences and awkward experiences in, in just all aspects of life, but, but also in, in gaming. You know, gaming is a, it's still a mixed bag, and we're still transforming the hobby, and we're making it more uh, accessible to all types of people, right? And I just want you to remember, like, if you ever have, if you have a great experience, I am happy. And I will, you know, think back to these times that we've had together, where it all started, right? And if you have, if you have an awkward experience, if you have a bad experience, you know, a, you can always reach out to me and talk to me about it and ask my advice. And you can also, that's right. I want you to also keep keep this time with you, keep this light with you, right? This light. Not beautiful. 
Yeah, fuck? that's what he brought in. But keep, keep the light with you inside of you when you if you ever have an awkward or difficult experience playing role playing games. Just remember that it can be this good, and this is your game. Okay. Yes, because if I am having an awkward experience, I'll call you up and be like, "Why the heck would you introduce me to this game? I hate it. You're so mean." Yeah, I, I don't and then want... underneath, I'll be like, "Thank you." <laughs> okay, should we play some D and D? Support for the I Am Here podcast, presented by RPG Casts is made possible by listeners like you. You can help keep the show going, get sweet excess bonus content for as little as $2 a month when you become a patron on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash rpgcasts to check out exclusive rewards for patrons and make your pledge. I Am Here is a production of RPG Casts. The intro and outro music was composed by Emily E. Mayo. Special thanks to Peter Grelly, for designing the graphic art and assets for both RPG casts and for I Am Here. Visit the website at IamHerePodcast.com for show notes, transcripts, and so much more. You can find more about RPG casts by going to RPGcasts.com and follow on Twitter at, at RPG underscore casts. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening to I Am Here. It means so much.